Well, good morning. How are we doing? All right? Are you going to answer me? You're doing okay? That's good. It is so good to see you all here this morning. But actually, it's also really awesome to welcome our, our Selwyn family who are joining us via live stream this morning. So we're super excited to be able to welcome them as part of this this morning. Isn't technology a great thing that we can do this? I can be in this room with you lot and be able to communicate God's word with that lot out in Selwyn. Isn't that, that pretty exciting? It's pretty cool. Hey, well, I don't think I've spoken since we had our summer holiday, Ange and I. I just want to let you know that Ange and I and the two kids had an amazing Christmas holiday and a fantastic summer break. We went to Picton in the Marlborough Sounds to a, a bay called Beaches Bay, and we had a week there where we just pretty much swam and fished the whole time. And when I say fishing, we didn't go out in a flash boat that had an outboard motor on it. We had rowing power. So it was me and the family, but it was me that did all the rowing. And uh, we just rowed out to where some of the boats were moored and borrowed an empty mooring and tied up to that and thought we'd fish here. And we watched people go out past us in their very flash boats and kind of look at us with a look that I interpreted as what are these losers doing fishing where everybody else parks their boats? And they'd just drive on by and think, you might as well be fishing on the beach. Uh, And people have told us, you don't catch fish in there. Well, we didn't care. We wanted to just go out fishing. We caught, well, Caleb caught two blue cod, two gurnard, and Angela only caught one gurnard. Uh, But they were all edible. And so I wanted to tell you this morning, like I wanted to tell everybody who I saw in Picton, that on our little rowboat, we rowed out to where the boats park, and we caught fish, uh, which is pretty awesome. Now, I've got nothing against big flash boats, by the way. Um, I would really like to own one. Uh, But at the moment, it's a rowboat, and that'll do us. Hey, it's exciting to be here and to be thinking about 2019 and all that God has in store for us, both us personally as a family and you personally in your lives, but also for us as a church. We ended 2018 with a great sense of gratitude and gratefulness and thankfulness in our hearts for all that God had done through the year in our church and through the life of our church. And uh, we see this morning the, the fruit of some of that and the fact that Selwyn is joining us via LiveLink, I think that's a pretty cool thing. That's something we've been able to give thanks for, that the hard work of people, the sacrificial giving of people and the favor and blessing of God means we have a second location that we launched last year. That was something to be able to spend time on and give God uh, thanks for and to be grateful for. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Anybody else thankful? Yeah. You're just thankful that some of them left here and went out there, aren't you? They're probably not laughing out there now this morning. But I think that's a corporate win. That's us all together partnered in the vision that God had given us to obediently plant that second location, which together we can celebrate and thank God for. On a personal level, as I reflected on 2018, there were sure some difficulties throughout the year, but I was able to spend time and say, God, thank you for the numerous blessings that happened in my life through last year. I pray you are able to take some time and reflect on your year in 2018 and give thanks to God for all he had done in and through your life. But now we stand here looking forward into 2019. And in my heart, there's some sense of excitement and the unknown. What will God do in me personally and in us corporately this year? I don't know if you ponder that or think about that, but 
I sure do. I, I get to a place where I say, God, I, I don't really know a lot of what's in store for us as a church this year, but boy, am I excited about what you are going to do in and through my life and in and through our church in 2019. But we can know with confidence that as we continue to walk in obedience to God, we will continue to see his blessing on our lives and his favor upon our lives. It does not mean we won't encounter difficulties or struggles or go through things. Here's the good news. We absolutely will go through some trials this year. Who's happy about that? That's not a big amen in the place. But I promise you, you'll go through some things that will be difficult. But you'll also reflect on 2019 and be able to say with confidence, God was with me through it all. And be able to thank him for his blessings upon your life. As I reflected on our obedience last year as a church, to plant Selwyn and to step out in the way that we did uh, just so wonderfully as a, as a, in unity as a church. I realized that our obedience doesn't only unlock doors of breakthrough for us, but it unlocks doors of breakthrough for others. That's the incredible part of obedience. We get blessed, but others get blessed because of our obedience to him. When you think about that, our continued obedience holds great importance, not only for us, but it is potentially the very thing that will lead someone else to find their breakthrough and go on to find a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that a good thing? That's pretty exciting for me. So I pray you'll join me this year and have great faith in your hearts for what we as a church have ahead of us and what you have ahead of you as an individual. As we begin this year, we have uh, made a change to our normal Sunday services. I don't know if you realize this, but we haven't started a Sunday night service as yet. Anybody notice that? Are you sharp enough to have realized that we haven't yet started our Sunday night services? Can I have my drink? I'm sorry. I should have brought it up with me, but forgive me at Selwyn, just while I have a wee drink. Awesome, that's better. But let me just speak on this for a moment. Because a lot of you have realized it, but not many of you have said anything to us about it. As a church, one of our values or our DNA is that we celebrate being an intergenerational church. Who thinks that's a cool thing? We have every generation represented in the church, and I think that's a great thing. Now, God is the God of generations. God thinks and acts and makes decisions generationally. The decisions of God have implications throughout all the generations. Isn't that an exciting thing? God loves the generations. Look at Psalm 33 verse 11. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. We wanted to ensure this year that our young adult generation in our church were really connected in community with each other. That they had a real sense of belonging and connectedness. Now, our Sunday night services were very much geared at young adults, but there wasn't always a lot of room for connecting with one another. So this year, as we brought Bryden Hulse on and his wife, Leisha, helping him with his desire to bless young adults, one of the things we felt was right and Bryden felt was right was that young adults just need to build community for a season, just be together and be connected to each other. So we said, hey, God loves the generations and so do we. And we love our young adult generation, so therefore, we will stop for a season Sunday night so that they can connect and be together. 
So we're not starting our Sunday night services. We're giving them over to young adults. Who thinks that's a good thing? For a time, for a season, that our awesome young adults will build a strong community together. Numbers 14, verse 24. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Notice how Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. Who would like that said about them? I followed God wholeheartedly. And because of his decision, his choice, his obedience, not only did Caleb inherit the land, but so did his descendants. See, obedience leads to someone else's breakthrough is also generational. So some of the decisions that you make and have made in your life and will make out of obedience to God have generational impact attached to them. And though we can think obedience is just a momentary thing for me, no, my decisions, my convictions, my standing in obedience to God can have generational impact. If Caleb can follow God wholeheartedly and it impact the next generation. If I choose to follow God wholeheartedly, I'm believing with all my heart that will impact the next generation. Anybody else? I felt God speak to me late last year to make some decisions that will have generational impact. And I pray for some of the young adults as we take this time to allow them to connect and build community. That'll be the very thing they need that will go on to have a generational impact through their lives. Selwyn was a decision that has a generational impact attached to it. We didn't plant that campus out in Selwyn just simply to be there for a while. No, we planted it with generations in mind that it would go on to bless that community and reach people and it would have generational impact. So I'm excited that the decision to do that has a chance to bless the generations. When I was walking through this building here last year at Levita, I got to a point, I didn't realize it at that point, but I'll, you, you'll see it in a minute, where I'd become familiar with the building. Where it was almost like I'd lost the wow about the blessing of Levita and what it really meant and the sacrifice people had made, the vision to build it, to step out in obedience to God, to build a facility, and in the time, nothing like it. And to say, God, we'll we'll walk in obedience to you. And I was walking through the building and I just felt the spirit of God just drop into my heart. This building was a generational impacting decision. It wasn't just for the current generation that gave to it and saw it built and see it across the line. It was a decision that said we will bless the generations to come. And that was the moment where God spoke to me and said, make decisions, Carl, that impact the generations to come. So I'm starting this year, this way on Sunday nights also gives us time to ask God, what could Sunday nights become? What could it look like? What could its future be? Whatever the result, we want it to be something that will impact young adults' lives and their love and relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's why. So can I encourage you, be praying for our young adult generation. We should pray for every generation because they all matter. But can we be praying that in this six-week block, as they just build relationships together, the Spirit of God would be present and it would make a difference in their lives. I've got any amens from young adults or am I way off the mark? (laughs) Remember this. The purposes of God's heart will be represented in all generations. It's just that the expression of God's purpose may look slightly different, but His truth 
and his purpose remain unchanged. Is that true? Okay. I want to speak to you about what I feel for this year, although I've already given you some stuff, but I want to speak to you specifically about what this year means. As I was praying late last year and at the beginning of this year, walking on the beach in my study, spending time with God, I'm always asking God, God, what does this year look like for our church? What do you want to do through our church this year? And I'm looking for God to speak to me with a phrase or a theme or something, but it's driven always by my passion and my desire to reach people with the truth of who Jesus is. People who don't know him right now would have the chance to come into a relationship with him. That's always my filter that I filter things through. So I'm often looking for God to give me something that'll set the course and set our direction as a church. It has to be both for the gathered church, but it also has to touch the individual's life. And last year, if you were part of Life Church last year, I felt God give me this phrase, Life Church, respond to my heart, that the world would get the chance to know my son. If you were in church, you'll remember that. It was great because it was a phrase, and a phrase can be repeated, and a phrase makes sense to me, and I love that God gave me a phrase, so I wanted God to give me another phrase. Let me just pause on that for a minute. Last year was about responding to God, giving God our yes. It hasn't changed. Just because 2018 finished doesn't mean you stop saying yes, and this year you can say no. You keep saying yes, keep being faithful to God. I know you will. But this year it's a verse that I feel that God has given me for us as a church. It's not an obscure verse. It's a verse that is very well known to many of us. But it's Proverbs 3, verse 3 to 6. It says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him or submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Who here today at Levita or there in Selwyn thinks winning the favor of God and the favor of man is a good thing? I see a couple of hands. I hope there's some hands out in Selwyn. I hope Julia put her hand up and Tim and maybe Chris Hannon. That would be a good thing. But I think winning the favor of God and the favor of man is an incredibly good thing. From a missional sense, I think it's essential that we desire to win favor in two realms, not just in one. It's good to want the favor of God. Man, if I think back on my prayers and ponder my life, I would say I've asked for the favor of God time and time and time again. God, I want favor in my marriage. I want favor in my business. I want favor in my family. I want favor in my passions. I want the favor of God in my life. And it's a good thing. But to be missional and to expand God's kingdom, it's essential to win favor also with man. Favor with God, but favor with people. And I love this in Proverbs that we get told how to do such a thing. If I can win favor with God and man, then how do I do it? Well, Proverbs gives us the wisdom. Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. God responds to love and faithfulness. But guess what? So do people. David Bennett, our associate pastor, spoke last week so well on the last question Jesus ever asked, which he asked 
three times of Simon Peter, do you love me? And Peter responded with, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus' response was, then feed my sheep. In other words, if you love me, love my people. If you care for me, he said, care for my people. David mentioned that the desire of every human heart is to be loved. It burns in the heart of every single human being. What he said that I so appreciated is that our greatest need to be loved has been mandated by Christ for us to give to one another. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Our greatest need to be loved, God has mandated through Christ that we would be the answer for each other. Loving each other, kindness, compassion, grace, mercy, turning up day in, day out, listening ear, hearing someone's pain walking with them when they've made a huge mistake and they've mucked it up, willing to be there, willing to stand alongside them. It's the greatest commandment. And I think the wisdom here in Proverbs backs that up. Now, let me put it this way. Let your consistent, uncompromising love keep showing up in people's lives day after day. It goes further. It says, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now we see a picture of the Pharisees who used to wear leather pouches around their neck. They called them phylacteries. And they would carry the commandments, the the 10 commandments around with them like they were the keepers of the law. These things are carrying over our heart. These are the important things. And we see in Proverbs, it says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. In other words, this is the most important thing that you can do. It says, write it on the tablet of your heart. In other words, set it in stone. It's not, an, it's not a movable thing. It's immovable, and it's the immovable objective of every follower of Jesus, to love people and be faithful. And so we carry it with care, and we carry it with importance. In your workplaces, in your families, wherever you go, this is what will win you favor and a good name with God and man. A good name is a good thing. People think good of you when they hear your name. The name of a church, we want the name of Life Church. When people hear it, they go, that's a great church. That's a place where people love you and care for you, where you can belong and be in community, where you can work out your mess and you can work your way towards salvation. We want people to think Life Church is a great church. Don't you agree? Well, love and faithfulness consistently showing up day in, day out wins favor and a good name with God and with people. It's not just a love that speaks, it's a love that acts. It's consistent. Keep providing that love day after day. Here's the big one for me this year as I grab another drink. So I really feel that we each need to get a hold of in a fresh way. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In this life of mine, which is approaching around 41 years, I've realized a few things, not many, but a few, but I've realized that I won't always have all of the understanding as to why things happen the way that they happen. Anyone else? I won't always get the understanding that I would like to have as to why, God, am I walking through this? 
Why are things happening this way? How are things happening this way? Or God, why didn't you intervene in that situation? But I know I'm not going to have all of the understanding that I would like to have. And because of that limitation of understanding that I carry, that you carry, God is not calling me. He is not calling you to lean on that or put your trust in your own understanding or in yourself. That's not what God is calling us to do in this scripture. But instead, with all my heart, with everything I have and everything I am, I am to trust God well beyond the realm of my understanding. I am to be completely dependent upon Him in every situation I find myself in this year. Both in the blessings of life and in the burdens and in the difficulty and in the challenges, I am still to be completely dependent upon God. Throw my dependence on Him. Trust in Him with everything I have, not leaning on my own understanding. You see, my understandings of things are at best pretty shaky. So I need to go all in in trusting God. Life Church, we need to continue to go all in in trusting God. You need to go all in in trusting God. And the wisdom here in Proverbs is that there is no other way to do it. It doesn't leave room for a combination. Well, I'll have a little bit of trust God and a little bit of leaning on my own understandings. It doesn't say trust God in some things and you'll figure the rest out on your own. No, it says trust God with all of your heart. There is no room for us to lean on the limitation of our own understanding because it doesn't have all the facts. Why would you trust understanding that has a very narrow view when you've got a God who has an eternal view? He says trust him with all this. He sees the beginning from the end. We only see the small piece. Don't lean on your own understanding. It's a warning. The word here, trust, translated in the Greek is the word batak. And its meaning is prim or root, meaning first, beginning or origin. It also means a place of refuge, how we were designed to live. It's how God created us to be. It's his original design and his intention that we would trust him. When we trust him and put our trust in him, we take refuge in him. We don't take refuge in our own understanding because it is very, very shaky. We take refuge in God. We're all in to trust him. And in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the difficulty, the place we live from is a place of trust. I want to live a life that reflects that I've put my trust completely in God. This was what I felt the Spirit of God really emphasized to me for us as a church this year. Trust God in everything, including the things that are beyond the realm of your understanding. Trust God in everything. A life that trusts God is a life that doesn't lose hope in the midst of a crisis. I mean, let's be real. We're all going to have difficulties. We're all going to walk through pain, some suffering, some challenges, some things that just frustrate us that we can't understand. We're all going to walk through that. That's, that's just reality of being human. But what trust does is it reflects the hope that I have in God. It's not quite right. What trust gives me is eternal hope no matter what I walk through. If I trust God, I will always have hope. 
So even though I walk through a crisis, even though I walk through a difficulty, even though I walk through pain and suffering and loss, I will always have an eternal hope. Doesn't mean the pain might feel less or the difficulty might be less challenging. No, it'll probably be the same. But I will always have hope in God. In the area of my finances, can I just speak to this for a moment? This is me being obedient. Do I trust God as my provider? Is He the one who I totally believe can and does provide for me? Even when it appears that I have lack, do I trust God as the one who provides for my every need? Listen to Paul the Apostle in Philippians 4, verse 12 to 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul learned to be content in any and every circumstance. Why? Paul put his trust completely in God as the source of the provision of every need that he had. And he's able to be content because of his willingness to trust God. And this can be an area of challenge for us. God is the source of our provision. But if I'm not careful and I function only in the realm of my own understanding, I can find that I will hold tightly to what God has given me and only use it for my own purposes. But when I trust God and live a life that reflects that, I'm willing to live a life that is generous. I understand the principle that I am blessed to be a blessing. And even when I feel like I haven't got much, I can find a way to build margin into my life, a way that God can use me to be a blessing. It's a life that reflects that I trust God. But it goes outside the realm of our understanding. In my own understanding, my life situation many times told me, don't tithe. You can't afford to do it. Or the bank won't lend you money for a mortgage if it knows how much you give to your church each And every week, the realm of my understanding says giving to God and giving to the church, maybe keep some for you, keep it for yourself. It's functioning in the realm of my own understanding. But a life that trusts God, knows the principles and the truth of God, know about sowing and reaping, know that God fills you up. You bless someone else, God will bless you again, that your life becomes a conduit of blessing. Can I encourage you this year to recognize that you are blessed to be a blessing? Giving is a big part of the picture when it comes to trusting God. My finance can make a difference, and it can be a part of extending and expanding the reach of the kingdom of God. Can I encourage you to make a decision this year, if you don't already give, both here at Levita and there at Selwyn, to make a choice this year to get beyond the realm of reason and understanding and get to the place of trusting God with your finance. See, the gathered church is God's plan and it's God's idea and it's not going away anytime soon. Do you agree with me? Have I got friends in the room? It's his plan that we gather in community together. We can do so much more together than we ever can in isolation. Your giving releases the vision to keep building a dynamic church that will reach people with the truth of who Jesus is. 
I think that's a good thing. So this year, will you let your giving reflect your trust in God? Will you let it reflect that you know that the church matters to him? It's important to him. Trusting God is a choice. So it's not always you're going to feel like it. I don't feel like giving. No, probably you don't. I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like sacrificing. I don't feel like loving. I don't feel like worshiping God because I'm going through some stuff. No, no, trust is not about a feeling. Trust is a choice that says, I know who my God is, regardless of how I feel, because feelings are in the realm of my understanding. But trust says, God, I put my life and the dependence of it in your hands. That's what trust is. It's more than a feeling. It's a choice. This year, I want to worship in such a way that reflects my trust in God. Sometimes that means that I have to stand and make a choice to chase after God in the face of great opposition or obstacles. See, I won't always feel like it, but I want to posture myself and worship in a way that says, despite my circumstances, I will trust God. I will trust God. As the team comes back, I'm not quite finished, both here at Levita and there at Salwan as the teams come and join me. I wonder, Life Church, how we're really going at trusting God. Does my life reflect that I trust Him beyond the realm of my own understanding? The next verse in Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. In other words, when you give up complete control and throw your dependence upon God, when you submit your life to him, he will guide you in life's journey. He will be the good shepherd that will guide you through difficulties and hindrances. And the interesting part of all of this is it's not a one-time prayer. It's a daily decision, a choice to follow him and to trust him with everything. And to trust him completely, that takes a a choice, a will every day. God, this is the will of my heart. For some of us, it looks like quitting making excuses for why we don't give or why we don't worship God passionately or why we don't attend church regularly or why we don't pray or why we don't serve or why we are isolated or why fear holds us back. For some of us, I felt as I was preparing, I felt God saying it's time to let go of excuses. I'm not just speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. This is God also speaking to Carl. It's time to let go of excuses that are filled with your own understanding and to throw yourself upon God completely and wholeheartedly this year. When we live a life like that, we live a life like Caleb did. Caleb's name meant of a different spirit. Caleb, of a different spirit, lived wholeheartedly for God and made decisions and walked in obedience that impacted generations. My desire is that I would live of a different spirit like Caleb and our church would be that way also. God, we are all in in trusting you and being wholehearted after you. Do you trust God regardless 
of what your circumstances are. Listen to me this morning. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision. And it's your choice. Can't be forced into it. Can't be made to do it. It's your decision. I'm going all in and trusting God. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Want to be successful in mission? Love and faithfulness. Want to live a life that is directed and guided by God? Go all in to trusting Him. I'm going to pray here just in a moment. I just ask you to stay seated in both places. In a moment when I finish praying, the worship team is going to sing a song called Sovereign. It's not a song we normally sing at church, and I dumped it on them on Friday last minute. So this is a song I feel reflects the message. It reflects God's heart for us as His people. And can we sing it? So what they're going to do in both locations, they're just going to sing it over you for a while, and then they'll invite you to stand and sing it with them. I pray that this song, in the moments that you sit and reflect, you would ask the Holy Spirit, to speak into your heart and to open your heart again, to show you areas where you may be living in the realm of your own understanding. And it's time for God to move us to a place of trusting Him completely. Let me pray for you. Lord, first and foremost, we thank you that you love us all. Each and every one of us matters to you and is of extreme value to you. We, God, acknowledge that is true for every person on planet Earth. And Lord, it is our desire to live lives that are missional by the way we love people faithfully and consistently. The way that we have grace and mercy, compassion and kindness, the way we care for people that ordinarily we wouldn't need to bother, but we do because we love them. Holy Spirit, would you release to us a fresh sense of the Father's love for this world and for his children. Lord, in faith, right now, we just receive a fresh love for people that would be consistent and missional according to the mandate that you have given us to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love people the same way. Lord, I thank you that you are completely trustworthy in all that you do and in all that you are. Holy Spirit, help each one of us today by revealing to us areas of our lives where we're relying on our own understanding instead of trusting in you. Reveal for us all areas we need to begin to choose to trust you in. Lord, we declare today that we throw our complete dependence upon you again this year in every area of our lives. Give us the boldness and the conviction to move past our self-focused excuses and into complete freedom and trust in you. Reveal your truth to us that it might set us free in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I recognize in both places this morning, there are people walking through difficulty. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give them a boldness to be confident enough to trust you beyond what they see right now in their circumstances. Though it looks difficult and the journey ahead can almost seem impossible, I thank you that with you all things are possible. And I pray this morning, give them an extension of faith, the gift of faith, a boldness to trust you with all their heart. In Jesus' name.